0: Yo, yo, what's going on? Welcome back to A Diamond in the Rough. Your boy, four Way, Jonathan Kelly. Um, finna start back off, finishing with chapter four. Begin with chapter four of Motown. Um, if you guys missed one, two, three, go back and check that out. You know, download it, whatever. But let's hop right back into it. Chapter four, page 14. The alarm clock woke JB up at seven in the morning. He stretched, yarned, mustered enough strength to get up and get ready for school. He grabbed a pair of his true religion pants and a black t-shirt. Picked up a pair of his Timberland boots, grabbed a towel and wiped them down. Walked downstairs to the bathroom, washed his face and brushed his teeth. Then stood in the mirror and brushed his waves. Walked to the kitchen, made himself a bowl of a cereal, scarfed it down, and placed the bowl in the sink. Grabbed his book bag and halfway out the door, before he heard his grandmother call his name. Juwan, can you come in for a minute? JB rolled his eyes. Here I come, Grandma. Miss Kelly was a nice loving lady. She was small in stature, but big in heart, comical plected, nice long black hair. He loved his grandmother very much. She was the only person who could stop his father from beating him half to death when he was drunk. Hey grandma, what's up? Sit down baby, let me talk to you for a minute. She was smoking a cigarette sitting in the living room table. She had a sad look on her face. JB wasn't sure why. You know something bad happened. You know, think bad things happen to good people for no reason. Even people that's close to us. She put one hand on his cheek. Every time you walk out this house, I'm scared. I pray for you every night. I thank God that you're not out there like the rest of those hoodlums. game bangin' and God knows what else. I can't even walk to the store without thinking somebody's going to run up and snatch my purse. She flicked the ash from her cigarette in the tray. Grandma, I'm going to be late for school. Can we talk about this later? He thought she was about to have another speech about gangbanging and stuff, which he heard a million times. Give me one more minute, baby. Like I said, we can't let that get us. We can't let that type of stuff get to us, baby. The world is an evil place. Especially this badass neighborhood we living in. Grandma, what are you talking about? He said, starting to get irritated. Your friend and father was gunned down in the house. It's been on the news all morning, baby. It felt like a sludge hammer hit him in the chest. His head started spinning. He started to feel dizzy. He couldn't believe what he just heard. He hoped it wasn't true. He turned his attention to the TV and saw a familiar scene. It was Baby Stone house surrounded by police reporters and the whole Motown. Someone had just murdered Mike and his best friend Baby Stone. JB felt paralyzed. He couldn't move. His head was spinning. It was like he was out of touch with reality. Baby stone. No, that can't. That couldn't be, but we were just together yesterday. His grandmother was talking to him, but he couldn't understand a word she was saying. All he could think about was how they was just at the park playing basketball. The video of them yesterday played back and forth in his head, how they was laughing with each other, talking shit, and then day with the sisters today. But without saying a word, he stood up and bolted toward the door. His grandmother yelled after him, but her words fell on deaf ears. He had to see this for himself. The TV was lying. His grandma was lying. Cause this shit can't be true. JB House was only two blocks away. Baby Stone House was only two blocks away. He jumped off the porch, ran down the street, almost knocking a group of kids to the ground. Cars honked as he ran across the street, barely dodging the caravan. As he turned the corner of Baby Stone Block, terror rippled across his face. The same scene he saw on the news he was witnessing firsthand. The whole Motown was outside Mike's house, trying to see what was going on. As he made his way closer, he could see look up. Looks of compassion, anger, sympathy, and hate wrestling their way through the crowd. Parents comforting their children. People breaking down in the middle of the street. Men fighting to hold back their tears. He heard screaming, yelling, people talking. Police sirens. It was straight chaos. There was red tape everywhere. Police officers trying to control the situation, but there was hundreds of people outside, so that was nearly impossible. No one could imagine this happening. Mike was chief of the Rangers, the most protected man in Motown, who would dare come here and kill him and his son in their own house. It was unbelievable. JB walked through the crowd, and he could feel stares. Everyone knew him. And Jay and Baby Stone was best friends. As he moved through the crowd, he heard a couple of people calling his name. But he didn't pay them no attention. Someone tried to stop him. To ask him if he was alright. But he walked right past him. He had tunnel vision. Barely noticing anyone. JB was on a mission to find the one person, the only person he knew, that would have some answers. Corey. Corey was, was... Corey was... Mike's bodyguard. He was there. He was in their house more than JB. JB walked to the corner of 52nd and found Corey on his porch with eight other niggas sitting down. As he walked up, Corey was giving some sort of speech with tears coming down his eyes. JB found a spot on the porch and listened. Corey was only 19 years old, but repetition. Reputation and his ability to make a grown men beg for his life made him seem over 30. He had scars all over his face from childhood fights and a stare that could make a baby cry. A lot of people a lot of people were scared of him. A lot of people died because of him. JB wasn't scared of him. He knew. He knew. Why, but the only person that scared him, JB, sorry guys, JB wasn't scared of him. He didn't know why, but the only person that scared him was his father. On my grandma, Corey said. Whoever did this shit is dead. Any bitch that knew about it, motherfuckers ain't finna get away with this shit. Bitch ass nigga just killed Chief. Corey cried. He stared at everyone on the porch with tears in his eyes. It's wartime. Y'all little niggas thinking it's sweet better shut the fuck up. I'll stay all bitch ass in the house. On stone. Who do you think did it? Someone said on the porch. If looks a kill, he would have been dead. Corey jumped on the porch so fast and punched that poor man so many times in the face. When he stopped, Red replaced the white color of his t-shirt. Now get the fuck off my shit asking that dumbass question. If I knew that, they would have been dead, bitch. He walked off the porch happy with just being beat. He thought Corey was gonna kill him. Chapter 5. Meanwhile, in the seven prison in the seven precinct. Ah, uh, meanwhile in the seventh precinct. Detective Bobby O'Rion and Steve Marshall were looking over a double homicide file on their desk. They were just as dumbfounded as anyone else. They worked the Inglewood area for over 20 years. Everyone called them Bobby and Steve. They've known Mike for the whole 20 years of working Inglewood. Before he became chief, he was just as ruthless as any other member, members of the Rangers. He was involved in numerous murders, kidnappings, drugs, and all type of other shit they couldn't pin on him. Every, every witness went missing, and every informant came up dead. He was a modern-day Mr. Untouchable. So, the news of the double, the double homicide was shocking. They didn't even know where to begin the investigation. What's your take on this mess, Bobby asked. Bobby, a white male, around 5'10", 180 pounds, he worked out daily, came from a family of police officers, a college a college graduate with a degree in criminal justice. Steve threw the file on the desk and shook his head. I still can't believe this happened. We've been after this asshole for years, then out of the blue he get murdered in Motown in his own fucking house? He put his hands in the air. What the fuck? I don't feel sad a bit, but his son, damn, that boy could play some ball. I'm lost right now. It still a little unbelievable to me. Steve was one hell of a cop. His name alone put fear in anybody who was involved in criminal activities in the Inglewood area. He was a white male, 6'4", 200 pounds. They had more arrests than any other officers at Inglewood. My take on it, it was an inside job. I don't think no one came in Motown and murdered Mike in the middle of the fucking night. He was too protected, too smart to let some shit like this happen. Somebody knew something. We just got to hit the streets. He stopped, put his head down, said a prayer, then looked up, stared at a picture of his son. That sat on the desk. He pissed the wrong person off. But to do that to his son was unnecessary. That's the only reason why this case is personal to me. That boy wasn't even involved in nothing. All he did was go to school and play basketball. Damn good at it too. I used to watch him up there at Sherman Park. No one in that court could fuck with that boy. Damn, he was good. It's going to be a long day, he said. As they gathered their things, they left one thing unsaid. They both knew it would be consequences for whoever killed Mike and his son. No matter how much bullshit he did, Motown still loved him. And people were going to die behind this. Chapter 6. As a small crowd started to exit Corey's Porch, JB stayed back. Hey, Corey, let me holler at you for a minute. Corey stopped and stared at him. What up, little nigga? I won't end. I know you about to get down on whoever did this shit. You know Baby Stone's my nigga. Corey laughed. Little nigga, get the fuck off my port. You ain't about that life. This shit ain't no fucking game. What you know about blowing a nigga down? This shit ain't easy. This shit ain't no joke. I do this shit because it's all I know. I live this shit, motherfucker. Every minute of the day, looking over my shoulder. You ready for that? Nah, go play some basketball, nigga. JB Corey laughed and turned around, headed for his door. In an angry tone, JB said, just because I never killed a nigga don't mean I won't. The only nigga I fucked with is dead. You wasn't born yesterday. You were You wasn't born no fucking killer. I used to play with. I used to play with your ass at the park too. I could. Pl- I could blow a nigga down just like any other motherfucker. You don't have to be no fucking rocket science to pull a trigger. You know what? Fuck you. I'll do this shit myself. I just thought your appointment in the right direction. But it's all well, JB stated. He started to walk off the porch. Corey stared at him. It was true. He known JB all his life. Both had chose separate paths in life. He remembered them at Sherman Park, day camp, basketball, basketball tournaments. He'd never seen JB in the street, but he knew shit like this could turn any, any motherfucker to a killer. You think you ready for this shit, JB? Corey yelled. JB stopped and turned around, staring at, at Corey with tears in his eyes. What you want to pee myself, motherfucker? Corey laughed. Oh well, get up with me in the AM, boy. Be careful, nigga. It's war time, Corey said, laughing as he walked into the house. Chapter 7. They've been patrolling the area for the past two hours with no luck. Inglewood was like a ghost town. Word on the street of war was going on. And police didn't want to be caught in the crossfire. Everyone knew something big was about to happen. You don't kill Mike and get away with it. Bobby and Steve rode up to 51st and found their first big victim, GB. He had a black hoodie, black jeans, and a pair of black shoes. He was walking with his hood over his head and his hands hidden in his pockets. A big red flag to Bobby and Steve. They pulled up on him fast. Take your hands out of your pocket and put them in the fucking air right now before I put a bullet in your head, Steve demanded. GB slowly took his hands out of his pocket and put them in the air. Why the fuck y'all fucking with me? Two motherfuckers just got killed. Go do y'all fucking job. Steve walked behind him and pushed GB on the hood of the car and searched him. That's exactly what we doing, asshole. I know... I know you were buddies with Mike and shit. You were like his little girlfriend, Steve laughed. Now, help us find out who did it so we can get them off the streets, Bobby said. I know who did it, but if I tell y'all I'm dead, GB said. We can't protect you, man, I promise, Bobby replied with genuine concern washed over his face. G.B. put his hands over his face, and to Bobby, and Steve looked like he was about to cry. They knew he was close to Mike, but damn. Bobby put his hands on his shoulder and said, it's okay, just let it out. Let us know. We can go arrest the bastard. G.B. looked at him. Okay. It was your dead grandmama, bitch. Now get your faggot ass off me, G.B. laughed. Steve punched him in the stomach. Real fucking funny, asshole. GB arched over in pain. Hey, bitch, I got rights. Tell that shit to my dead grandmother, pussy. Now get the fuck away from my car before I shoot your dumb ass, Bobby said. GB smiled and walked off. Do you believe the mouth on that little motherfucker? He had the nerve to talk about my nana. I almost put a bullet in his fucking head. I love my nana. I don't play that shit, Bobby said. I seen how angry you got. That's why I punched his ass. Thank you, guys. Stay tuned for tomorrow. I'm going to get up with y'all. Make sure y'all get in tune. Chapter 8 through 11. Please like, share, tell everybody what's up. If you missed this one, go back and check out the first one. Love, 4 weight.